subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Blue Murder Club. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm accompanied, as always, sitting right opposite me with her gorgeous, beautiful face, <laughs> is my fellow co-host. Lauren, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Living my best Bruce Jenner fantasy this morning. <laughs> fucking tracksuit. <laughs> it is the dream. I soon, when you got around this morning, I, I literally could see through the door. I was like, Bruce Jenner's in the house. Yeah, me 80 chevron tracksuit. It's yeah. my fave. It's so cool. I have to get a picture and put yeah. it on our social media so everyone can see what we're talking about. Yeah. It is the most special top I've ever seen in my life. It really is. It's so washed out now, but I'm still in love oh, with it. Oh, you can never ditch it. Never. No. If you feel like getting rid of it, give it to me. I said it looks just a bit vintage now. Just a bit. Yeah, it looks like it was in the original 1980 yeah, it was. Olympics. That's what we'll say. <laughs> Anyone asks. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the pattern of it. You couldn't really, I don't know who designed it, but they must be some kind of architectural genius. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. As soon as I see it, I was like, that is me. Yeah. All over. <laughs> Thank God you bought it. It brings <laughs> yeah. me happiness every time I see I'm it. I'm glad. That's why I wore it. Because <laughs> we're also celebrating a special weekend, your birthday. So I thought... I'll wear this for you today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for my new trainers. You're welcome. Love them. <laughs> so, today's episode, we are covering the Nazi doctor, Joseph Mengele. What a... 
Oh, piece of work. Piece of shit. I wanted to say the really, really naughty word, mm. and I can't. We'd have to definitely put parental yeah. advice, you know, guidance. Yeah. Ease that, yeah. ease that word. Everyone knows what word I'm thinking of. Ease oh my goodness, word. yeah, and some. Yeah, nasty, so, nasty man. This ties in with American Horror Story Asylum, doesn't it? Yep, season two. And when we were looking, how many, I'd say we had about five or six. Mm, Asylum's got tons oh. of references, tons oh, of, got, what do they call it, inspiration? Yeah, or, yeah inspiration. Yeah. You've got Ed Gein, you've got Kit, haven't you, with the aliens. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. I think we went down this route because we want to save Ed Gein, don't we? Yes, we do want to save Ed Gein <sighs> for another just normal I series. I think the alien story, there wasn't a lot to it to make a full episode, so we're looking to do that on Patreon. We really do want to do an alien episode. We Ages ago, I think in the summer we was trying mm-hmm. to find some, but every single one we could find had all been sort of accounted for. There wasn't any yeah. genuine alien kind of abductions, no. w- which would credible enough really to, to talk about on yeah. the podcast. But we'll keep digging because it's something one we want to do. Yeah, I mean, Anne had an alien abduction. Did she? she? Did. Yeah, of course she did. Oh, go yeah. on then. Yeah. Wow, we should get her on. We should love her. She was going to work. I think it was in. Oh, I don't know. It must have been about the sixties. She was going to work with my granddad, driving along in a car. She worked as a nurse, mm. and he worked in the docks. Yeah. So she had to be at work early. She was on the early shift. And she said she can't remember much, but she looked at the clock and she said to my granddad, oh, I'm going to be early. I'll go and have a coffee or a tea or something mm. before my shift. And then they literally, like a light bulb went off in front of them. That's yeah. what she said. It was just like a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And then she looked back at the clock, and it was midday that day. So wow. she can't account for, she can't remember anything, Yeah, but she cannot account for the last however many hours it was. So presuming your granddad was going to work in the docks, he probably mm-hmm. started work at about seven or eight in the yeah. morning. So they lost like four or five hours. Jeez, yeah. really? Yeah, but they can't account for it. And she swears blind it was aliens. Swears wow. blind. She knows what road she was on. Yeah. She, everything. She said everything about that day because the pair of them was just gobsmacked. Yeah gobsmacked that's very interesting yeah well that's a good starting point i think for us to research it i think maybe find some kind of like alien abduction website and put Mm -hmm. that story on because that would be east london i suppose docklands area Mm -hmm. yeah fascinating isn't it that's amazing. I don't know. Oh, she's so cool, my name. She used to take me sky watching, didn't she, to look yeah, for aliens. To look for, well, I'm not surprised. Now we know why. Because <laughs> yeah. she's bloody well one of them. Yeah, they bought, <laughs> her and my granddad bought a camper. Does she yeah. glow in the dark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we does. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we should get her on. Yeah. That sounds very, very, very interesting. I know. That's something that hasn't been accounted for. No, but if you get her on, she does get into it, though. She goes into the conspiracies like the reptilians and stuff like that. So it does get a bit intense. Quick. <laughs> well, well, right. well, we'll see how it goes. It might be a Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fab. But yeah, as you said, there's um, quite a lot to American Horror Story Asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we thought, oh, do you know what? One of the scariest people in that is the like crazy Nazi doctor he doing all the experiments. He me the most. Yeah, so he's like, oh, why not? Let's do... Um, mm-hmm. Joseph Mengele. Yeah. Because I've read some bits and pieces about him. And he, he's somebody that intrigues me that I wanted to look into more deeply. You're braver than what I am. Because as I said to you, like, I try and steer clear of all... Because I know it's going to cause me nothing but pain. Yeah. So uh, for years I've wanted to watch Shin, Shinless List. And yeah. Really 
dig a bit, but I can't face it. I'm not brave enough. Yeah. Because I know, I know <clears throat> it's going to take its toll on me. Yeah, it so will you do. You are braver than me. It will do, definitely. I'd, I, I'm absolutely fascinated with this subject. And mm. um, I've watched loads of stuff. I've read loads of books about mm-hmm. it and that. And um, I'm the same. It does really... It does affect you. You can't not because yeah. it's such a horrific like section in history. And um, but just I'm such a like history buff, you know. Yeah. I just that my curiosity mm-hmm. overrides my repulsion mm-hmm. and my fear. But I'm the same as you. It took me about ten years to watch Schindler's List because yeah. I was terrified of how scared I yeah. of how upset it would make yeah. me. Yeah. Um, Knowledge but, is power, and I understand that completely. Yeah. Um, but I just don't feel brave enough. Yeah, to definitely. Do it. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Schindler's List is a good film, but. You don't really need to watch it more than once, because mm-hmm. um, that's all set in the concentration camp in Auschwitz. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <sighs> so we thought what we'd do, to, as usual, like what we usually do, mm-hmm. you like to dig around in the past of these um, serial killers. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I tried my hardest, because that's yeah. all I can say. There, there was a bit here and there, mm. um, and I went through quite yeah. a few sources, and I got what I could. Yeah. But I think you're going to do the majority of it today. Well, there's, there's, um, the thing is with like stuff that happened during the Second World War mm-hmm. and the subsequent years, a lot of records were lost and things yeah. like that. That's exactly what happened. So yeah, a lot of the um, information that you can dig up now is just from eyewitness accounts yeah. where they've given their testimony during tri- the trials, the war trials, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So it is eyewitness accounts, but there's not like actual records and stuff. No. I think maybe the Soviets took them or they were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some conspiracies saying that um, I think America wanted to get some of the results. Oh, really? I have read that. I don't <gasps> know whether it's true. So, you know, this is just alleged, allegedly. Yeah. But because what happened in those concentration camps couldn't possibly happen anywhere else mm-hmm. because they were using humans to experiment on instead of animals... The research was was so valuable yeah. that people were, were tr- like clambering over themselves to see the results of what some of these experiments were. Oh god! But then, having done our research for this episode today, I do wonder whether that's true or not because yeah. we'll get to it. But um, I do question that now. Okay. So okay. um, well, tell me when you get there. Yeah, yeah, I will do. <laughs> I will do. Right, so you ready? Take us back to the uh, early go. 20th century Germany, please, okay. Miss, uh, Mrs. Strutt. <laughs> <laughs> so we're with Joseph Mengel, right? Mengele. Mengele. Yeah, you, sort of, you pronounce death. both E's, Mengele. Oh, okay, yeah. Mengele. I thought it was Mengel, like a mangle. Yeah, that's but, what I was but thinking. But yeah, it's Mengele. Mengele. The angel were deaf. And that's not a nice, um, you know, our serial killers all have a bit of a name, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I but, do, actually, yeah, yeah. The angel were deaf, I don't... Yeah. So, Joseph was born on the 16th of March in 1911 in Gunsberg, Germany. He was the eldest son of three boys. His dad, Carl Mingley, was a manufacturer of farming implements and he had a factory. Mm. And Joseph was brought up in a really strict Catholic family and they were quite wealthy. Joseph's mother, I want to say her name's Wolbach. Yeah, it was a funny name actually, Mm. yeah was the one they all feared. She had a really bad temper. Mm. She would go to the factory co-owned and criticise all the workers. She was the one who put the religion in place. She was the one, like, so she was in charge. Mm. Um, she was a very demanding woman, especially of the father, Carl. Joseph had said about his mother that she was incapable of loving 
and he felt her wrath growing up. He was uh, described as a pleasant child and he was a good student at school. He liked music, art and skiing. And he grew up to be a handsome man with a certain self-confidence that only certain people carry off. But we find that as well with certain serial killers, don't we? They've got this... Charisma. Yeah. Yeah. Plus he's uh, had the privileged upbringing, mm-hmm. hasn't he? He's yep. wealthy and yep. that comes... You get a bit of confidence, I yeah. think, with that, don't you? Of course but, you do. But yeah. Yeah, so Carl wanted Joseph to follow in his footsteps by taking over the factory. However, Joseph wanted a career in science. So um, there was a bit of pushing and throwing. Because he's the eldest boy, obviously, Carl wants him to take over the family business. Mm. But I don't know how much of a strain, again, like records are really mm. limited at this point mm. because he had two other sons after Joseph. So mm. it could be that one of them to- took it over. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Joseph left his homestand, hometown, sorry, and he studied a philosophy. Philosophy. Philosophy in <laughs> Munich. Thank you. Where he encountered the radical ideology of Alfred Rosenberg at the age of 20 in 1931. He joined the Steel Helmets. Mm-hmm. There is another name for it. And I'm so sorry, Kaz, but I cannot pronounce it. So I just went with this. Is that Steel the Helmets. English translation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, fair enough. And also started to study medicine, human genetics and anthropology. Anthropology. That's the one? Yeah. In 1933. I'm so glad you're here with me. Honestly, I look at you in pure fear. Uh, And to be honest, until that word came out of my mouth, I wasn't sure if it was going to say why or not. I'm like, it's a word I've only ever read. I've never said out loud. That's right. I can read any word in my head perfectly. Yeah. But to pronounce it, it's a different story. It's a bit like, what's going to come out of my mouth? I don't know. That that, that is my life. Welcome to my life. It's funny because... I'm like, it's funny because um, you put me on that podcast, so Help Our Sex Did My Boss, yes. with Jordan Brilliant. North and his friend William. Brilliant. And they, they ring true with me and you sometimes, because Jordan <laughs> struggles, doesn't he, with saying yeah. um, trepidation, yeah. he can't say it. <laughs> and I think, that's me and Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true, yeah. I think that. Yeah. yeah, I love that podcast. Yeah, and then he looks over, doesn't he, and we'll just like... And William just like, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> so, um, so this was in 1933, um, so this is about the point in time where his interest starts growing in the Nazi party, party and he applied for a membership in 1937. Following Hitler's accession to power, his father had joined the Nazi party by then mm. and that ideology mm. is starting to force himself into, because he looks up to his father obviously and it starts to force himself a bit into mm. his world. Yeah. And every time I was reading this, I said, what I kept going back to was our other... Um, Austrian oh Fritzl because yeah. he went and see Hitler didn't he with his dad that's yeah. one of his first memories <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah. true actually yeah so um, Joseph was also a member of the Greater German Youth League which barred Jewish people from the membership so there it's starting mm. isn't it it's just a little yeah acceleration now I think he was accepted into the Nazi party where he applied then to be a member into the SS. Mm-hmm. So Joseph was a dis- disciple of Franz Hamburger, a doctor who was known, a known supporter of Eunice. Un- oh, Saber. eugenic. Is it eugenics? No. Ah, oh. Euthanasia. That's the one. <laughs> Lauren just drew a line across <laughs> her throat. <laughs> 
So it's not a nice story, and I don't want to laugh. Sorry, um, for babies with physical or mental disabilities. Yeah. Oh, so already they're trying to yeah. interfere with. Yeah. Um, gene pools and yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 And Theodore Molson, who believed in the inferiority of some races. Joseph was enormously influenced by his mentors who were at the forefront of the radical and racial <laughs> struggle at the heart of the Nazi worldview. In 1937, he received a position as a research assistant with the Third Research Institute for Biology at the Uni of Frankfurt. Mm. I'm so sorry, I'm butchering most of this, but here we go. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Otto van Verschke. Oh, yeah, Dr. Otmar von Verscher. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was his him. mentor, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hired him as his assistant in 1938. I did practice saying that name because I knew it was going to come up and I was like, say There what? she is, yep. <laughs> Thank you. So in 1938, the same year, he joined the SS. So the SS was a major parliamentary organisation mm. under Adolf Hitler. To join the SS, a member had to prove that none of their ancestors was Jewish and agreed to marry only when with the consent of the superior officers. In addition to receiving mil military training, recruits were also taught they were the elite. And it wasn't just the Nazi party, but mankind. It started off in 1925 and initially served as Adolf's personal bodyguards. So that's how it first was. The SS. The SS. Mm. So they were just bodyguards for Adolf Hitler. Um, sorry, where are we? Uh, bodyguards, but later became one of the most powerful and feared organisations of all of Nazi Germany. I think that. I think when you say SS, it mm -hmm. still instills a bit of fear yeah, in like, people. I don't like talking about it. I'm like, <coughs> yeah, yeah, massively. So Henrik Himmler mm -hmm. became the head of the SS and expanded the group. So by the start of World War Two. It said that more than it had more than two hundred and fifty thousand members and multiple subdivisions, ranging from intelligence ops to running Nazi concentration concentration camps. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the war, the SS was deemed as a criminal organization for its direct involvement in war crimes. So we're just joining the World War now. <coughs> Sorry, yeah. I got that in just so, yeah, because uh, need some, a bit of background, yeah, yeah. yeah, to what you're getting into. Mm. So during World War Two, two, he served as a medical officer with the Raffin SS branch mm -hmm. in France and Russia. He first functioned as a medical expert for the race and settlement main office in the summer of 1940. So it was the cent at the Central Immigration Office northeast in Posen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's starting to get, isn't it, um, a bit more racial. Yeah. And he's starting to, uh, he's the immigration officer. Mm -hmm. So if that face doesn't fit, you're mm -hmm. not coming in. Oh, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think by 1940, yeah. they're starting to, like Jewish people, there's laws in place, there mm -hmm. has been for years by now, Jewish people's freedoms are very limited yeah. and restricted. And yeah. now they're looking at, people not even just in germany they're looking at polish yeah. and all, all the other european yeah. countries that they're mm -hmm. smashing through at that point in time yeah mm. it's awful so <coughs> then he then served as a medical officer which he saw action on the eastern front wounded while on a campaign in 1942 joseph returned to germany in january 1943 
where he was found to unfit for any further combat. So he didn't go back in and start... Being a soldier anymore. Being a soldier, yeah. yeah. So by the age of 28, Joseph has started to climb the positions in the SS and he's gained a lot of great respect by mm. the power and power. The same year he earned his medical degree. So Dr. Joseph Nair, his doctor, mm -hmm. had an assignment in May 1943 to go to Auschwitz, Poland. His job was to perform medical experience and research on human genetics. He was appointed this position by Henrik Himmler. And in this concentration camp, he and his staff selected incoming germs for either labour or experimentation. Mm -hmm. So they was pegged off one, I think there was three options, wasn't there? Extermination. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, experimentation. Yeah, experiments, uh, yeah. yeah. Or labour. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so I'm going to just pass it over to you. Sorry it was short, but I just wanted to get it. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I, I understand. Yeah, I struggled with him. Yeah, so I did read a little bit about Joseph Mengele before he went to Auschwitz mm -hmm. and he um, he was awarded the Iron Cross for his heroics when he was when he saw action yeah so yeah he was like you mentioned he's very well respected mm -hmm. decorated soldier and by all accounts when he was walking around the concentration camp he would display his medals he was very oh. very proud of them and also Prick. 28th of July 1939 Sorry. he married a lady Called Irene Schoenbein, Schoenbein. So yeah, he was married, mm -hmm. and he went. They went on and had a son. Oh, so he does have. He did have a one son in his whole life. Oh God. So yeah, he's a husband and a father when he goes to Auschwitz. Okay. And by all accounts, um, that that um, fellow that he you mentioned, Doctor Versho, who's his mm -hmm. mentor was um, encouraging him to go to Auschwitz to carry on the eugenics experimentation. Yeah. Um, now, just to get to the crux of the matter, eugenics was um, a theory developed by an Englishman called Sir Francis Galton mm -hmm. in the very early part of the 20th century. Right. It's the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. So, for instance... Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, Aryan, mm -hmm. they would want blonde hair and blue eyes. So it was a way of looking at the population and trying to control the mm -hmm. outcome or the output of that desirable quality. Yeah, me and you would be out. You'd be all right. You've got blonde, blonde hair and blue eyes. I've got fake blonde hair. <laughs> Haven't we all, love? And I've got green eyes. <laughs> oh, I've got green eyes. I thought you yeah. had blue eyes. They change with the weather. Change with me mood. Yeah. Like a mood ring. Oh, cute. They're mm. blue now. Are they? Oh, grey. They go, do they go grey, blue, green? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They go in between yeah. them all. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that's what it is. Or, for instance, they would, I think that, like, with the Hitler Youth and things like that, they were very much wanted a population of strong, mm -hmm. healthy German yeah. air, of Aryan descent. Yeah. Have so you seen that film? What film? Oh, I can't think of the little boy. And mm. he's in the Hitler Youth. I can't think of the name of it. No. Rabbit. Saying, 
Oh yeah, yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Jo I love Jo-Jo that Rabbit. film. Oh my god, we went to the cinema to watch that, film. and then we watched it loads during lockdown. It's so good, it's isn't it? Such a good film, such a good film. Yeah. And that's what I think of because he idolizes him, doesn't he? He think, yeah, Adolf Hitler's his imaginary friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's a brilliant film. Yeah, that's the good thing about like when you view. I know some people still kind of like a hero worship Hitler, mm-hmm. and oh, God, God really? knows why. Yeah, there's been resurgences, hasn't there, of like oh, neo-Nazis and stuff. The boys we did last week, they... Yeah, they did actually, yeah, the Columbine, yeah. yeah, they were all over him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the way that, on the whole, people over here in the UK just partake the piss, piss out, out of him, him. Yeah. and it takes away all his power. Yeah, it does. They literally just rip the shit out of him, and then suddenly you're just looking at him and laughing at him, and you don't, no. you don't think of... Yeah, the first songs Ridicule. I think we learned at primary school was Hitler only had one ball. <laughs> yeah. It's true though, isn't it? It's true. So the kids are learning straight away to take the piss out of him. Exactly, yeah. That's, it just takes away the power. Yeah, it does. I, I think like when, um, was it, uh, what's his name, Oswald something or another, he tried to bring it over the black shirts over in the 1930s over here and it, it was, there was hoo-ha <laughs> and stuff. But on the whole, people were just laughing at them. Yeah. They're trying to goose step and all that, like... Like they lapping it up on the continent yeah. at the time, and we were all just like, "What the fuck are you doing? Two Go away!" Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness, because oh, no. God, if that had taken root over here, who knows where we'd and be? And it was so serious as well, so that just makes it all the yeah. more sweeter. Yeah, like, that you can take rip the shit out of him because you just think yeah. he would have hated it. Oh God, yeah, definitely. Off with off with their heads for laughing at the bureau. Yeah. yeah. So um. So yeah, eugenics <clears throat> developed largely by Sir Francis Galton. As a method of improving the human race. Now, like I say, this fellow was from Birmingham, UK, uh-huh. English. But this theory spread all over the world. Wow. So, for instance, in Sweden, in the in like early part of the 20th century, I think mm-hmm. the 1920s, 62,000 unfits were sterilised. What the So fuck? they would like forcibly sterilise <gasps> people to try to remove their gene pool from the population. So, for instance, I know I know the Nazis began with um, what they would call unfit, so basically the mentally um, mm-hmm. disabled, probably physically disabled as well, um, and they would forcibly sterilise them. My God, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at what it ends up with with the extermination camps, mm-hmm. this seems like a humane yeah. way of doing it compared yeah. to how it ended up. And um, I mean, I'm not saying it was, no, obviously it's fucking no. fucked up. Yeah. The whole thing is fucked up. But um, looking back, in hindsight, you're like, bloody hell. Yeah, the lesser evil. The lesser evil, yeah, exactly. So it, it's called selective breeding. And it's very similar to what human beings do to animals. So you know yeah. how you like selectively breed a thoroughbred mm-hmm. racehorse, for instance. Mm-hmm. You can apply that to animals mm-hmm. because there's no social... Um, input there mm-hmm. because they're animals. But in animals, hasn't it gone wrong? So like the bulldog and yeah. the flat-faced dogs, it's gone completely the other way because they've kept it's... that thoroughbred going through and through and through. They're yeah. killing th- off the breeds. Yeah, I think sometimes it does if mm-hmm. it's not handled properly. Mm-hmm. Like you get these breeders, don't you, with their puppy farms. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what they're doing. But I know in the case of the thoroughbred horses, they're still very, like, they're fantastic yeah. creatures, aren't they? Um, but yeah, you're right with the an- with the dogs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I yeah. wouldn't know cats about the thoroughbred horses. Oh, the only horses I come across are the Tilbury horses. Tilbury, yeah, <laughs> the ones that run in front of us when we go to the dancing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm. They are majestic. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm with they do run very, very time. fast, and I suppose that's the whole purpose of them. <laughs> so yeah, but you can't, you can't do that with human beings. No, you can't. You can't look at a human being in the same light as an no, animal. It's fucking completely different. And the whole, the crux of this scientific method of thought mm-hmm. was completely flawed at, yeah. at its core yeah. because of that. Yeah, but it didn't stop the whole world going nuts for it. Jesus. Um, just a bit of a fun fact here. Yeah. So Francis Galton, if you look him up, mm-hmm. he was a he was like really big in the scientific community. Yeah. He done absolutely loads. Obviously, eugenics was ridiculously popular mm-hmm. and probably was the root of the whole fucking genocide. Um, but he also invented the dog whistle. Oh really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here we are. So Mengele gets married in 1939 by the time we get to may it's may june 1943 he applies for a position opposed to auschwitz Birkenau, and he is assigned to auschwitz Birkenau camp 2 at the age of 32 years old his job now this surprised me his job was to sort the prisoners out who had just arrived into two groups mm-hmm. so i because you say dr Mengele and you think about the experiments i just thought that he was just literally in the camp hospital yeah. doing that all the time mm-hmm. But he wasn't. He was on the ramp. So he um, he would take, take his turn as the selector on the ramp. Mm-hmm. Now, by all accounts, most of the other selectors had to get off their face to do it. They were all pissed. Yeah. They had to get drunk mm-hmm. to do it because it's such a horrific job. Mm-hmm. It was him and one other were the only two that always turned up sober. So he fucking loved his job. Mm. Um, enjoyment from it yeah apparently he'd like he'd Jesus. be on the ramp and he'd be whistling like uh, I think he used to whistle Brahms or Bach and do like you know the sort of like Austrian yeah. kind of composers music and he'd have a riding crop which he didn't use to like, strike prisoners with he used it to point to each person to say whether they're going to the left or to the right so yeah with a small flick of his finger or riding crop a person would either be sent to the left or the right to the gas chamber or to hard labour. Oh, my God. So I think the reason for this, from what I can gather, is they would pick doctors so they could tell whether somebody would look strong and healthy enough Mm. to be worked to death in the slave labour camps. Yeah, Yeah, and if they, if I suppose literally a split-second decision would be, no, they look weak, send them to the gas chamber immediately, or, yeah, they look fit and strong. Because I've read this as well. Um, I've read a book called The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, I didn't. I thought it was just a fictional mm-hmm. thing. And when I got to the end, it was true. <gasps> it was the man who put the tattoos on people. It was his eyewitness account of what happened there. And he said, uh, like when people would come off the train, <clears throat> they'd know what was coming. And he said you'd see people, like the men, they'd be like puffing their chest out and trying to make themselves look as big and as strong Jeez. as possible. And people were coming through, even like, this knocked my socks off. Professional footballers mm. were sent to the concentration camps. Literally, you weren't safe at all. No. No matter what your rank in society was, no. it mattered not a jot to the no. Nazis. If you had, I think it was more than two Jewish grandparents, that was it. That was oh, it. God yeah, cares. your card was marked. So, But yeah, I was like, wow, well, like, professional ballerinas, you know, people that were completely... Very, very important, powerful, influential people had that completely stripped away 
and we're just rounded up with everybody else. I was really surprised. Yeah, I don't know. Really, really surprised. Put my fingers in ears now and just like, <laughs> la, 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 la. <clears throat> So, being as these doctors were looking for strong and healthy specimens to go to mm-hmm. work, you know, they'd be making munitions and they would sort out the clothing, etc. They'd have many jobs at these because um, Auschwitz was a mainly a labour camp mm-hmm. and secondly an extermination place. Um, all the kids would go straight to the gas chamber because they were too small mm-hmm. to work hard, except twins. Now, he got very excited when he found twins. Yeah. The other SS officers who helped unload the transports had been given special instructions to find twins and dwarfs, giants, or anyone else with a unique hereditary trait like a clubfoot or something called heterochromia, which means you have a different colour in each eye. You know, like David Bowie had? Yes, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um... So Mengele was on the ramp, not only during his selection duty, but also when it was not his turn as a selector to ensure twins would not be missed. As the unsuspecting people were herded off the train and ordered into separate lines, SS officers shouted, Zwillinged, which is twins in German. Okay. I'll probably pronounce that wrong. Parents were forced to make a quick decision, unsure of their situation, already being separated oh. from family members when forced to form lines. Seeing barbed wire and smelling an unfamiliar stench, was it good or bad to be a twin? Got it. Sometimes parents announced they had twins, and in other cases, relatives, friends or neighbours made the statement. Some mothers tried to hide their twins, but the SS officers and Mengele searched through the surging ranks of people looking for twins and anyone with unusual traits. While many twins were either announced or discovered, some sets of twins were successfully hidden and walked with their mothers into the gas chamber. Oh, God, Yeah. Um, about 3,000 twins were pulled from the masses on the ramp. Most of them were children. Only around 200 of these twins survived. Uh, when the twins were found, they were taken away from their parents. As the twins were led away to be processed, their parents and family stayed on the ramp and went through the selection. Only if the twins were very young would Mengele allow the mother to join the children to look after the twins. Oh, God. So after the twins had been taken from their parents, they were taken to the showers. Since they were Mengele's children, they were treated differently than the other prisoners. Though they suffered through their medical experiments, the twins were often allowed to keep their hair and their own clothes. The twins were then tattooed and given a number from a special sequence. They were then taken to the twins' barracks where they were required to fill out a form. The form asked for a brief history and basic measurements such as age and height. Many of the twins were too young to complete the form by themselves, so there was a Zwilling father, twin father, helped them. Okay. This person was actually an inmate assigned to the job of taking care of the male twins. Once the form was filled out, the twins were taken to Mengele. He asked them more questions and looked for any unusual traits. So, uh, daily life for the twins... Um, began at six o'clock in the morning. They were required to report for roll call in front of their barracks, regardless of the weather conditions. After roll call, they ate a small breakfast, then each morning Mengele would appear for an inspection. Mengele's presence did not necessarily cause fear in the children. He was often known to appear with pockets full of candy and chocolates and to pat them on the head, talk with them and sometimes even play with them. Many of the children, especially the young ones, called him Uncle Mengele. I don't like it. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? <laughs> the twins were given brief instructions in makeshift classes and were sometimes even allowed to play soccer. 
The children were not required to do hard work or labour and they were also spared from punishments as well as from the frequent selections from within the camp. Wow. The twins had some of the best conditions of anyone at Auschwitz until the trucks came to take them to the experiments. Um, some of the experiments, so generally every twin had to have blood drawn every day. They also underwent various medical experiments. Mengele kept his exact reasoning for his experiments a secret and many of the twins that he experimented on did not know the purpose of the experiments or what exactly was being injected into them or otherwise done to them. The experiments included measurements, so the twins were forced to undress and lie next to each other and then every detail of their anatomy was examined and studied and measured. Um, Blood tests, like we mentioned, the eyes. Um, In attempts to fabricate blue eyes blue eye colour, drops or injections of chemicals would be put in their eyes. This often caused severe pain, infections and temporary or permanent blindness. Um, Sometimes he would inject them with bacteria, diseases, things like that. So the reason he wanted twins was so he'd have one twin just to measure against the twin that he'd infected. So there'd be a healthy twin to use it as a comparison to see how one compared to the other once it had been injected with God knows what he was injecting them with. And then on the whole, if um, the twin that had been injected died, then the healthy twin would would also then be killed. And then they would autopsy them. Fuck me. And then they would send the results back to Berlin, to the uh, university, the eugenics university. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, um... There were various surgeries performed without anaesthetic, including organ removal, castration, and amputation. Um, so there was a doctor there, Dr. Miklos, oh, I can't really say the surname, Nice-Chesley, nice mm-hmm. and he was Mengele's prisoner pathologist. So the pathologist mm-hmm. performs the autopsies. And he is one of the like eyewitness people. So a lot of Mengele's... Um, I think nearly all of his notes, all of his records, all of his reports didn't survive the war. So the only way that we know what happened in the camp was by eyewitness accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And this fella here, I think he did something. He went to the trials and he gave eyewitness accounts of what he saw, all the atrocities that he saw. Um, Yeah, Mengele was quite obsessed with eyes and eye colour. There was a girl, her name was... um, you see, she was five. Her name was Vera Crygel, and she had a twin called Olga. Olga. They were five years old. They were um, Czechoslovakian, and they went to Auschwitz, like I said, when they were five. Mm-hmm. The girls and their mum were taken to Mengele. Mengele was intrigued by their mother's perfect Aryan features. like She had blue eyes, blonde hair, and the girls had brown eyes. So they were chosen through experimentation. Um, Vera, she's an old lady when she was interviewed, but she still remembers quite a lot. God love her. Even though she was only five, she said she walked into the lab and she um, saw loads of eyeballs just pinned oh. to the wall. And she said she just fainted. She just literally flaked out when yeah. she saw the eyeballs just pinned to the wall. And um, she said, I think the first time... Yeah, the first time that she was chosen for an experiment, she was placed in a wooden cage and um, she had injections, like painful injections in her back. And she doesn't know why. This is the trouble that most of the people, most of the eyewitness accounts, they were children. Yeah. Plus they were, you know, the people that were performing the experiments didn't tell them what they were doing to them. They just did it. Oh my. So there's no way of knowing, really. Imagine it. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty bad. I've watched a few um, documentaries on YouTube with um, eyewitness, like the twins that survived Auschwitz. Yeah. And they can't really talk about it without crying. Um, Yeah, so another one was being injected with some bacteria to cause Noma disease, an infection of the mouth or genitals where you get boils and gangrene. Oh, my God. So some twins became sick and died and... um, yeah, he also experimented on dwarves and giants and roamers. Roamers are the gypsy population. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were many experiments on humans surrounding typhoid and TB and looking for ways of mass sterilisation. Now, this is two. This is twofold. So, for instance, the typhoid, the TB, um, the what's the name of that other one that which he was injected in. Um, 
these are all just to help the soldiers on the front. Right. So it's basically they're just trying to experiment with cures. There was also like they would deliberately wound some of the prisoners and then deliberately infect the wound. And then they would try all the remedies and the cures so that oh when they're on the battlefield, they could get their soldiers up and running again. They're so, yeah, exactly. So they've got their human sort <coughs> of like living tissue samples, mm-hmm. basically. They didn't view them as people. They viewed them as a just probably like a bunny rabbit in a lab. Yeah. Noma disease, that was the other one I was trying oh, to think God. of. So they were doing that. And then the second thing was the mass sterilizations. So they were looking at the eugenics side of things. Mm-hmm. So they were looking at ways that they could mass sterilize the populations that they deemed as unfit. Who the fuck are they, though? To Who decide. To decide. I don't know. It's, I, I, yeah. I don't understand that level of racism. I can't comprehend no. it. And... um. So, yeah, so basically that generation would be the last ones because they'd be sterilised so they couldn't reproduce. So, yeah, there was a lot of um, tinkering with people with regards to sterilisation and things like that. It's breaking my heart. Yeah, and early on I think they did a a thing where they would get the people in that they wanted to sterilise and ask them to fill in a form. They didn't realise as they were filling in a form they were flooding the room with with, um, x-rays and radiation. And by the time they filled the form in, they were sterile. <laughs> so no. they, they didn't even know they were being sterilised. So oh my God. mad, isn't it? Absolutely mad. So when you read through it, you realise many of the scientists and the doctors, these are very educated men. Yeah. But they were so brainwashed, I mm. suppose, in a way. I'm not sure. I know we've covered brainwashing, mm-hmm. but this is a, on a different level. Because they take a Hippocratic oath to preserve life. And yet they're literally sending millions of people to a gas chamber. Mm. Fucking weird. Um, Yeah, but many of the scientists and the doctors, they completely forgot their ethics. And they were just devoted to this pseudoscience, this eugenics pseudoscience. Um, They called it social Darwinism. So, you know, Darwinism is, they call it um, natural selection. Yeah. Well, it's not natural selection, is it? If you're picking people out of a certain group and sterilizing them that's not a natural no. selection that's a man-made selection yeah, exactly. isn't it um but they were twisting darwinism to fit their racist views their narrative, yeah. yeah exactly um like i said earlier on eugenics was repopularized in the early 20th century and even in i, met, I know i touched on one of the ones in um in europe mm-hmm. i think it's sweden. uh sweden yeah. yeah in usa um in virginia mm-hmm there was the Sterilisation Act 1924 to sterilise the mental health population. Oh, my God. How fucking mental. So this is like <gasps> a, to legally sterilise people that have mental health disability. 1924. Jeez. I mean, that's not that long ago. No, it's not. So it just it's goes not. to show it was worldwide it was spread all over the world. It wasn't just a European fad. It was in America as well. So, yeah, the point of eugenics was to select certain genes through genetic manipulation. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Varsha, um, Mengele's mentor, mm-hmm. he was convinced that twins were the key. So, um, there was usually, was it usually observational specimens? Not, uh, yeah, so basically, before Auschwitz was open and they had an unlimited, basically unlimited mm-hmm. supply of human, um, what do you call it? I don't know, guinea pigs. Um, he did do, He did do it to a certain extent at the university, but obviously he couldn't do it to kill them. No. <laughs> but yeah, 
So he would use twins in his research in Munich yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. but not, you know, they wouldn't force, I suppose no. it would be volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he would, he would be, yeah, like you mentioned, he was known as the angel of death. His main job in the camp was standing on the ramp and sorting people, the thousands of people that were turned up in Auschwitz every day. Um, yes, sometimes he would ask people to write home. So people would come off the ramp, he'd go up to them and he'd have a bunch of postcards and some pens and he'd ask them to write postcards home to tell them how lovely the camp was and they had nothing to fear and then he'd send them straight to the gas chamber. it's a great day. It's literally like thinking of everything, everything. Um, now... A lot of his reasoning was unclear. Obviously, there's no records. The children weren't told what they were being experimented on, things mm. like that. And it, some of the stuff he did, it just... I mean, even when you think about changing eye colour by putting dye in it, what's the point of that? Yeah. What's the point of it? It's what, like... Who's it going to help? Yeah. Yeah. It's like changing someone's brown eyes to blue, just put a blue contact lens yeah. in. It's the same thing. It just... I, a lot of it, people were like... I think he was just doing it because he was omnipotent mm-hmm. and he was God in that concentration yeah. camp. Yeah. He just did it. You know, in Jurassic Park, yeah. 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 No one stopped to ask whether they should, just because yeah. they could. Yeah. he just done it because he could. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the experiments that he did. There was a mother called Ruth, who was a twin. Mm-hmm. And he fertilised her with the sperm of a male twin. So he, he got, uh, like, there was a male oh twin. Oh, my God. And he wanted... Because this was another part of the Nazi regime. They wanted to find out how to guarantee multiple births in the German mothers to yeah, to breed yeah, more yeah. and more like Aryan. perfect Aryan. Yeah. yeah, so multiple birth, multiple birth, you're doubling up every yeah. pregnancy. So this was one of the experiments. He, um, so yeah, he um, he impregnated her with the, with the because he's in his mind he's like right. So she's a twin. The father's a twin. If we impregnate them, we should hopefully get twins. twins. And no one was allowed to be pregnant in Auschwitz. That was a no yeah. go. But he looked after her, made sure she was all right. Eventually, she grew so large, he examined her and found out it was just a single, but like a single twin, mm-hmm. like not a twin, sorry, just a single baby. baby. Yeah. And yeah, he just apparently ripped the fetus out of her, <gasps> chucked it in the fire, killed her. Oh no. Yeah, he was no, so enraged, no. like so enraged. And you can see that refers back to the rages that his mother used to go into. Yeah. Most of the time he was like a calm, on the surface, decent person. Oh, no. A lot of the eyewitness accounts say they'd get off the train and, and they'd see this handsome, tall, he had movie style good looks apparently, Mengele. Mm. I mean, I've seen lots of pictures of him. There's not loads from when he's young. It no. seems to be that the same couple. Yeah. But he's not bad looking and he was in his beautiful uniform and he, was, he wasn't beating people yeah. up and things like that. And... um. So they trusted him. Yeah. They thought he was a good yeah. guy. They didn't they had no idea what was going on under the surface Fucking with hell. that. But that that's where his rage boiled over. Yeah. He was so angry so that he devoted all this time to this experiment and it didn't it didn't help at all. Such an arsehole. I should imagine he's probably under pressure from like from Berlin as well to come mm. up with results and things like that. But yeah. um another one he another experiment he did, he he um there was a there was a girl, a woman called Ruth, a Jewish woman, and he allowed her to give birth to a daughter. So she gave birth to a healthy daughter. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she gave birth, they bound her breasts so she couldn't feed the baby. Mm. Um, he wanted to see how long a, a baby could last without being fed. 
Okay. I mean, why? Okay. What's the point? It's like that's just morbid curiosity. That's not going to benefit the Third Reich mm. at all, is it? That's just morbid curiosity. Yeah. Um, and this girl, she couldn't feed the baby and she kept trying to like I think she was feeding it like watered down milk just trying to keep the baby alive and the baby lasted for about a week um and in the end one of the other doctors approached her and just said look here's a morphine injection <gasps> the only way you're going to survive this is if you kill the baby and just merge into blend into the background of all the other prisoners because Mengele is going to send both of you to the gas chamber once this once this experiment's over. Oh, no. Once the baby's died and then they'll autopsy it, um, then you're going to the gas chamber. So Ruth, she did that. She killed the baby, and um, and then they hid the corpse of the baby in like all the other dead people mm. there. And um, Mengele was really angry because he couldn't find the corpse. And he couldn't get the results yeah. from his experiment. Um, he sent Ruth to another part of the camp and she did survive the war to tell this story. Jesus Christ. Um, this what is scares me is, Kaz, all mm. the people that can't tell their stories and all the other things that must have yeah. happened. That's what's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's lots of stories. Um, I've read a couple of books like the, what's it called? The, there's one called The Librarian of Auschwitz and that's a first-hand account. This young girl, she was there and um, she was in the family camp. Mm -hmm. They did have a family camp there. So when the Red Cross came to visit, they could say, oh, look, you know, we, we provide, there's, there's a school, there's kids, we let all the families live together. It was just a show. Just to show. Um, but yeah, she survived the war and, she, and she's written her book and she mentioned about um, Mengele and how terrified all the children were of him, obviously. And um, how the mothers would let the twins go, like the twins would be collected, go to the hospital, and that they would spend all day just scared to death thinking, is my child going to yeah, come back? back yeah. If they come back, what the fuck has he done to them? Because he, he used to, sometimes he would try to create Siamese twins. So he would like amputate limbs <gasps> and then stitch the twins together and things like that. And obviously, gang gangrene was set in, mm. the, child, the children would die. But he'd send them back to the barracks with the parents and... It was just fucking horrific. Yeah, it's just, I can't... I As a can't. parent, you can't imagine not having the power to stop that happening to your child, but they didn't have a choice. No. I mean, they that, what he said went. He was omnipotent. Um, So, yeah, the sterilisation was trying to eradicate inferior gene strands from the human population as a means of creating a German super race. It's fucking mental. I'm sorry, I can't say that no, out loud without giggling because it's so crazy yeah and it's so uh Walt. bigoted and yeah. yeah i mean yeah i don't know there's no words to describe they're recent he demonstrated a deep capacity for mass murder um obviously i mean he's described as a serial killer and one of the opening things when i started researching i thought that's a really good that's a really good description of mm. him he's a mass serial killer yeah, he is he kills so many people he is although yeah, mad. Um, so, let me see. There's one here. Oh, so there was a Russian eyewitness. He saw Mengele instruct. So, were ten, so they were in Auschwitz. Some prisoners were instructed to dig a pit and to step far to it. Mm -hmm. uh, this was all on Mengele's orders. There's Mengele and there's like loads of other SS officers. They instruct 10. There's 10 trucks come into this area mm -hmm. and the trucks are full of children 
So this is how they get rid of all the children. They tip them into the fire pit to kill the children. What the fuck? Yeah, so this was an eyewitness, a Russian person who mentioned this one. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Um, it's just an, it's just an example of just how cruel, cruel. and um, inhuman he was to be able to do that. One of his other experiments included um, doing a blood transfusion between twins. When what's the point of that? Yeah. What is the point of of it? Most mm. of it, you can see like the sterilisation. I can see why they were doing it because they wanted to yeah. wanted to yeah. manipulate the gene pool, um, trying to induce multiple births. Mm-hmm. You can see why they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to go with their Aryan thing, you can see why they want to eradicate certain mm-hmm. g- genetics from the population. But this, why would you take blood out of one person, put it in another, and see what's going to happen? Yeah. What's the point? It's fucking weird. You can't ask yourself that question. It is literally because he can. It that, is. That, that is it. I bet he just lay in bed at night, just thinking, oh, what can I do next? He's oh, a... I know. I wonder what's going to happen if I yeah. take the blood out of this person or if I try and change someone's eye colour. I mean. It's a massive, massive one. Yeah. Massive one. Many twins had limbs removed, organs removed. They were castrated and sterilised. He didn't use anaesthetic. Um, yeah, like I mentioned before, some were infected with, injected with infectious diseases. There was a lot of that, a lot of blood, like blood taking, like blood samples, yeah. tons and tons of record keeping. But like I say, they, um, one school of thought is that when the Soviets... When the Soviets um, liberated the camp, mm-hmm. they took all of the records that, that were in the mm-hmm. camp, and they have put them in like in like a top secret kind of area. Yeah, which I don't think. I think maybe the time's coming up. You know how they'll seal something yeah, for a hundred yeah, yeah, years yeah, and yeah, then they'll yeah, yeah. put it out in the public domain. So I think the time is coming up where they will do that. But by all accounts, he would he was constantly sending all his results back to Berlin anyway. So I think everything sort of spread out. And the reason, like, you know, I said at the beginning, there was there was theories that the Americans had sort of, like, yeah. taken him in because they wanted mm-hmm. to get some re- get the results of all the experiments that he'd done. Why would anyone want this data? No, exactly. I just don't think, I don't think it's true. Just to prove how much of a fucking cock he is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, who does this? Um, so there was an eyewitness called Alex who stated the experiments were for no scientific purpose due to the slipshod efforts he used. Uh, he once witnessed a stomach surgery and a heart removal. Like, no anaesthetic. He's just doing it. The fella's just doing Jeez. it. A lot of the times he didn't even do it himself. He had a team of, like, forced labour physicians to do it for him. So he would just, like, make the instructions and they'd have to do it. 
Um, yeah, the experiments appear to be pointless and just were as a result of his omnipotent power. So he's he's only there. He's not even there that long, actually, because he goes in the summer of 44, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 43, sorry. So he's there for 18 months. So on the 17th of January, 1945, obviously the Germans are clearly losing the war. Yeah, it's Clara coming closer to the end of the war now, aren't we? Yeah, precisely. He moves, he escapes from the camp because 10 days later the Russians come and they liberate Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. So it must be the 27th of January, 45, Auschwitz mm -hmm. is liberated. So yeah, he escapes and he remains in hiding on a farm as a farm works as a farmhand near Gunsberg, which was his yeah. hometown. And he um, he he spends a few years after the war. He's just um, hiding in hiding, and his family looking after him, providing him with money, mm. and keeping him safe. Um, and eventually, he escaped through Italy and made his way to Argentina. And this was in 1949. Um, and he goes and lives in Buenos Aires, and it's um, like under the leadership of the dictator Juan Perón. Uh, yeah, 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 I think you know, like Eva, mm -hmm. Eva, Eva Perón's husband. Um, he assumes a new identification, and he remained on the run. Um, but it's funny because I watched a documentary. Um, I think it was sixty minutes where they were like looking for him and yeah. looking for his going after his family and stuff like that. And like he went on holiday under his own name. He oh. went on holiday to Europe. Now, for some reason, this was funny as well. Actually, in um, I think it was like something like nineteen forty-five when the Americans were in Europe, mm -hmm. like just helping liberate everything yeah. and get everything sorted out the americans they did capture him but his name wasn't on a list so they let him go oh well so yeah they they did they arrested him and um he yeah because his name wasn't on a list he um he, he was released they let Very him go yeah it's funny isn't it why that happened mm. and um so yeah i don't know why his name still isn't on a list and he goes on holiday and um, he goes, he meets up with his son. His brother's died, Carl, but he meets up with his widowed sister-in-law. Um, they go skiing, you know, oh. all on his own name. It's like, he's not even really Take hiding. He's no. not even really hiding. Taking the absolute piss. But Ted Bundy said, didn't he, he could have kept being escaped if he had the money. Money. Mm. Uh, he's obviously got the money, he's got the means, and he's got the people helping him. Yeah, that's why. It's right. fucking annoying. Yeah, it's right. He, um, his family just constantly giving yeah. him money because yeah. he was from a wealthy family, like yeah. we established at first. And um, never obeyed him. Yeah, yeah. The um, the the company's still going. Mengele is a huge farm equipment manufacturing mm -hmm. company, and if you go through Germany, the word the name Mengele is all over it. All over oh. it. It's so weird. And his son is a, like a practicing lawyer. Um, yeah. Crazy, crazy times. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so during this period of time, it sounds like he has a pretty decent life. Yeah, he's living the high life, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he moved to um, Par Paraguay, Paraguay. Yeah. yeah, I think he moved to about three different South American countries during his lifetime. In His wife, she divorced him in 1954. Mm -hmm. 
And um, around about this time, there's people in Israel, they're trying mm-hmm. to find him. They, by now, things are coming through. His name is definitely on the list again. Um, they managed to track him down. So what happened was when his wife divorced him, she had to put his address. So the Israelis find his address through his divorce wow. um, legal documents. Yeah, They go to um, Buenos Aires to capture him, but he's already moved on. He moved to San Paolo. So they couldn't find him because he's moved addresses. Oh. He um, married his sister-in-law. So Martha Mengele, he married her in Buenos Aires on the 25th of July, 1958. So I think when they went on holiday and he he met up with his son Mm -hmm. that one time, he met up with her as well. And they must have decided like they were in love or whatever Nazis do. Mm. And... um, yeah, so he married his ex. Well, he married his sister-in-law, his Jesus brother's widow. Christ. Um, yeah, so it sounds like he had a, a really nice life. time. Yeah. He was practicing medicine without a li- license over there because obviously he was a trained doctor. It makes me sick to my stomach, guys. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And that ideology, obviously, that brainwashing or whatever it is, mm. doesn't just go away, does it? No, he's still going to be... Apparently, he was completely unrepentant right up to the last. That's what I'm saying. He was still racist. I think there was a lot of um, support for ex-Nazis in South America. There was a big support group, yeah. He weren't the only one, I think, that got away down there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But, oh, no, I'm not going into it. It just makes me sick to my stomach. There's um, a woman called Eva Max, I think. Mm -hmm. Maxis, something like that. Anyway, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce these names very well. But she um, was um, a Romanian, her and her twin sister, Miriam. Mm. They were from Transylvania in uh, Romania. I want to be from there. Uh, they were born in 1934. Now, um, in May 44, so must have been 10 years old, they went to Auschwitz and they were experimented on. They were injected with a load of, of stuff. Oh. And um, she's remarkable, this woman. So she said in 1985, I think there was a, they made a documentary. There was quite a lot of the surviving twins. They travelled to Israel. They made this documentary. Oh. And they, for the first time, they discussed it. Um, Eva, was, uh, she was injected with something and it made her so poorly that uh, Dr Mengele, she was in the hospital and he looked at her and he said, oh, she's, gonna, she's got two weeks to live. It's such a shame she's so young. My God. Which is just sarcasm, isn't it? Obviously, he's killed loads Freak. of youngsters. Yeah. And um, and she said two weeks later, her temperature broke and she survived. She said she remembers like crawling to the tap at the other end of the hospital barracks, just trying to get a drink. And she felt better again. She survived. She recovered. And when she went back to her twin, her twin had saved her bread for a whole week. And she said, can you imagine the willpower that takes? You're starving yourself. My but she'd, her twin Miriam had saved that piece of bread for her in the hope that she would come back from the hospital, that she wouldn't die. And she said it wasn't until 1985 that Miriam said to her, did you get that piece of bread? Oh, my God. Because they literally couldn't talk about it. So 1985, they make this documentary, the floodgates open, Joseph Mengele is massively back on the radar Mm -hmm. and everyone wants justice. They all want to bring this piece of shit to justice. So they they managed to find him. They realised that he's... um, Died. He died in 1979. Apparently, he was swimming. How lovely for him. He was swimming in the sea in South America, probably having a fucking lovely time. And he died. He died of a stroke, I think. Uh, But they do, they dig him up, they exhume him, they um, do a DNA test on him, they run it against his son's DNA. 
his son took a whole year to give a blood sample. Wow. A whole year. A whole he did year. not want to get involved in it at all. It seems like he just wants to... He, I mean, I think he only saw his son like two times in his whole life. Yeah. And you so, don't want to be tied to that. Like, no, of course not. No, you're exactly. You're not your father's no. yeah. crime, are you? No, precisely. And he didn't want anything to do with it. But eventually, I think after a year, he something happened. Yeah. I can't remember what it was now, but he did um, cooperate. And they... they, they the skeleton that they dug up was Joseph Mengele. So he missed out on <laughs> on his punishment. And the Our twins never got any... Um, closure. Yeah, exactly. They're infuriating. But Eva, she managed to contact another one of the doctors because he was one of a group. He mm-hmm. wasn't the only one. And there was a Dr. Munch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Munch Bunch. So um, she managed to track him down. He was living in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And he agreed to meet her. And they, they met and they discussed it. And then she went and um, she said to him, I forgive you. And she was like, that is the best power. She said, I've got all the power. She said, "Yeah, I wasn't really sure how to say I forgive you to a Nazi. But she said she felt so much better for doing oh, it. Oh, God, love her. And then she She's went the home. She's the bigger person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then she went home and she wrote a letter to Dr. Mengele. And said she forgave him as well. And she said, like, the power that she felt by doing that was oh, really, like, it really helped yeah. her. Yeah. And, um, but she said that her twin sister, Miriam, she really suffered every time that she got pregnant during her life as she got older. She had three pregnancies and every time um, it nearly killed her through her kidneys. Oh. So um, she, they've deduced that it was probably, like, the experiment from the experiments, what, what yeah. Miriam was injected with. And, um, she ended up donating one of her kidneys to her sister, Miriam. Oh. And um, there was a Renee, Renee and Irene Goodman. Mm-hmm. They were tracked down and they were, um, they live in New York in America. They were adopted by American parents. And um, yeah, she, Irene, she was, they were saying, oh yeah, we grew up in America. She was a cheerleader. I played football, blah, blah. Aww. And the interview goes, oh, so you're all around American kids, were you? And she said, yeah, on the surface. Oh, She said, but her. underneath. She said, it never leaves you. I have <sighs> nightmares about it. Yeah, being strapped to a table and just being examined and prodded Fuck and never it. knowing. This is the thing. You don't know if the day, today's the day yeah. that they're going to kill you. Yeah. Or if you're just going to have a blood sample and then released again. She Jeez. said it was just, it, yeah. Luck of the jaw. Luck of the jaw, exactly. But they survived. So it's nice. It is nice looking up survivors. the survivor stories. Yeah. yeah. There was um, a man called Peter. He was 11 years old in July 44. Um, and he uh, he got there and he was a twin. And um, his twin was called Thomas. They were Hungarian. And um, he showed his arm. He was number A17454. It's fucking unbelievable. Mm -hmm. These people were reduced to numbers. And I suppose that just made it easier for the people. They're dehumanised. They're dehumanised. Yeah. Always dehumanising constantly. like Because they saw them as an inferior uh, version of the human race. So, um, but yeah, he said... As soon as he got to the barracks, he said to the man in charge, oh, please, when am I ever going to see my mother? Where's my mother? I really want to see her. Where is she? Oh. And they just said, over there, there's your mum in the flames. <gasps> Point to the chimney. Jesus Christ. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. So, this is the thing. The, the fella, um, Joseph Mengele, he never faced any punishment for what he did. Got away with it scot-free. And it just don't sit right with no, me. No, no, it don't. Not at all. But um, 
So I think that brings us up to the end of that story, as horrific as it is. I'm glad it's done. It's very important that people continue to talk about it and yeah. it's not forgotten because the last sort of survivors of the Holocaust mm-hmm. are dying out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's good that they you've keep... keep repeating it. Uh, you've got to keep repeating it. Yeah. Stories because you don't never want it to repeat itself. No, either. exactly. It needs to be kept in the yeah. front of everyone's mind so yeah. that it never gets that point again because there is still, obviously, um, discrimination and racism, racism in the world, yeah. isn't there? There is. And it's important that it never reaches that level of atrocity yeah. ever again. Can't happen. I'm regretting all my life decisions <laughs> covering this man there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mm. I've got to go home and have a weep, I think. <laughs> no, there's um, there's a good book. I can't think what it's called now. But it's not, oh, I'll lend it to you anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's a first-hand account of A Prisoner of Auschwitz. And um, it's brilliant. When I did my, um, in, what do you call it, neuro-linguistic programming mm-hmm. training, our teacher recommended it. And it's so good. It really is it tells you about life in the labour camps and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and how um, it, what it takes to live, to survive. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a really good book. It's not very long, but it is a good book. Jeez. I wish I could remember the name of it. Sorry, that's really no, unusual. Right. No worries. <laughs> um, so that brings us to our... We're just going to play a little game of Meet, Marry, Murder. Yeah. Let's go for it. Shall I ask you? Well, we've picked out three people from the podcast, haven't we? Yeah. So we've got Eva Max, Joseph Mengele and Sir Francis Galton. So we're murdering Joseph. We're murdering, slowly murdering him. Joseph Mengele, yeah. (laughs) I would do every experiment he'd done on all them on on him. I was going to say, the first thing I'd do would be, I don't think I I couldn't do it myself. Wait and check the eyes. (laughs) No, I'm too squeamish on eyes. Oh, I don't think I could. But I couldn't do any of it because I'm not like that. But yeah, we would definitely we'd get some heavies in, get them to do it, kneecap him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just do bog standard torture, not yeah. the Nazi torture. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to murder Joseph Mengele standard, obviously, mm-hmm. and then we've got me or Mary. I'll meet Sir Francis. What's his name? Galton. Galton. Yeah, he's the one who came up with the eugenics. Mm-hmm philosophy yeah and try and understand where he was coming from do you know what i mean how yes. he got there yeah and ask him about that dog whistle yeah yeah <laughs> does it work and then let's marry poor little eva and give her a good life eva's feisty good girl yeah she's a she's a great woman yeah yeah definitely recommend looking up some she's on loads and loads of um documentaries oh she's her. she's out there she's out there telling everybody what happened never letting it go away never letting people forget good. it She's very, Good. she's a very full, forceful woman. Even though she's very old in all of these documentaries, mm. she's very forceful. Needs to be though. Yeah. Just keep giving that message. Yeah, out, doesn't you? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Guts are steel. Absolutely. So, <sighs> just like to thank you all for listening. Thank you. We fully appreciate it, don't we? Definitely. And if you enjoy the podcast, could you kindly give us a five-star review? Mm. If I could be so cheeky. Share and love. Oh, four. Four will do. But five will be better. <laughs> yeah. Check out our Patreon also. We've got a load of episodes and bonus content over there. And a weekly shout-out if you do join us. Yeah, definitely. And if you um, if you are enjoying the podcast, would you mind telling your friends and family, mm-hmm. like Lauren said, like and share, and help us Sharing spread the word. Sharing 
Cheerio. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, have a good week, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.